Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, good evening, and welcome along to the next Five Yard Rush flagship show. I'm glad you're for it as ever, Dan, and as always, I am joined by the big man, Murph. How are you, sir? Yes, mate, doing well. Combine is officially in the books. It's officially draft season. For people like Ollie, it's been draft season for months, but for <laughs> those of us who have postseason interests, and uh, for me, draft season is, is yeah when the, when the combine happens, and then you get this little bit with free agency now next week, which is buzzing. I cannot wait for for next week. But yeah, um, I enjoyed the combine. I didn't watch much of yesterday's. I need to go and watch that, but really enjoyed. Um, some of the content that came out this year. I, do you know what? I know people go on about the class, right? And the class isn't as talented and, mm-hmm. and we'll get into the class. I must say that the attitude and the the people in the class, <clears throat> there's some phenomenal stories, but everyone came across really well. Like I, I tended to yep. find that like the character level of people, I mean, there was a, there was a quarterback who was filmed clearing up all the rubbish left behind by the other quarterbacks yep. uh, at, at the combine and stuff like that, which I just thought, do you know what? The, this That's the sort of content I subscribe to. It's just full of really good people and everyone came across really well. And I, I thought if regardless of what you think of the talent and what you see on tape or whether you don't like someone or whatever, don't take away from the personality and the quality of the person that was represented because for me, I think it was an all-time high in terms of the level of character of human being that was on, on offer. Yeah, and there's another video of uh, Malik Willis, though, what appears to be donating goods out of his suitcase on the way into the combine and things like that. So uh, it's always good to see. These young guys, it's always good to see, being humble. So um, you mentioned Oliver there. Guys, we are joined by NFL draft analyst at Pro Football Network. He's one-third of the College Chaps podcast and contributor at the touchdown. Oliver Hodgkinson, how are you, Oliver? Are you well? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me, guys. It's quite forward. an intro, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything you yeah, don't do? Yeah. <laughs> cool. I feel, I feel a little bit bad because it's been over a year since I actually wrote anything for the touchdown and I've still got it knocking around in my Twitter <laughs> bio. Um, but we, we we do a bit of podcasting for them still, so I'm not, uh, I don't feel too bad about it. But yeah, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, plenty, plenty of work on. I still call myself a fantasy football champion and it's been years, so don't worry about it. So. <laughs> uh, speaking <laughs> of which... I, think... <laughs> I saw one there, that, right? Oh, Sorry, yeah, there. this came in the post this weekend. Uh, those of you that are waiting on these, they are on their way to you. Some people have got them, those who might be watching in the US. Yours are on the way. Um, there's special ones going out to all our Listener League champions. Uh, but I was like, there's no way I'm not having one this year. <laughs> <laughs> no way I'm not having one and not wearing one. So I'm going to wear one. I'll wear it special. But, I mean, Ollie, you were supposed to actually be at the Combine, weren't you? And then, unfortunately, with this uh, bubble nonsense and threats of strike, it kind of cost you your opportunity to, to be there. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're supposed to be in Indianapolis this week or in the NFL Combine for Pro Football Network. But, uh, as you say, the, the original plan to have um, the participating prospects in a, in a bubble really made it um, almost pointless from a media perspective, with no ability to speak to these guys on the ground. And then when it was, uh, when they threatened to boycott um, the, a lot of the drills, the NFL rescinded that bubble, uh, but it was far too late in the day, just with a, a week left to go until the combine to, to get a visa to get out there. But it did mean I get to sit in the comfort of my own home and record 40-odd dash times and, and whatnot. So, you know. Has some advantages, Every <laughs> Every and, and get to be on here and talk about it because uh, exactly, yes, exactly. Because <laughs> otherwise, you know, we might have had another Hannah Willis situation, uh, uh, Hannah Wilkes situation. We had uh, Hannah on, and she reported the uh, the Super Bowl we had <laughs> the next day, and she was in a car, busting out some tunes, and then <laughs> leaving a message saying, "I've got to go." <laughs> it was like okay, <laughs> swift exit. So yeah, we might have had a similar similar pod, but no, it's it's good to have you here. It's been uh, you know you've you've come and done a couple of drafts with us but not actually had you on so and I, I thought with the combine i couldn't think of anyone better to, to come on and, and break it down with us so before we get into that because you it, it's an amazing story that you actually you know you, you're here in the uk but you full-time at, at, at pfn you know you, this, this is your your job it's not a hobby it's not something that you do for a little bit of cash aside this is this is your career so to talk a little bit about how that opportunity came about, how you took that leap into, into doing this full-time, and then also some of the things that PFN uh, have got going on uh, surrounding the draft, whatever you can say, or if there's anything you can kind of preview and, and promo for us uh, about what's going on there. I'm sure we can have a little teaser on there. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's it's quite it's quite simple, really. So I started off, I've been a, an NFL fan for, for years. Um, my brother got me into the game. Really enjoyed. Um, once I understood the game, which I didn't start with, but once I got like into understanding the game, started enjoying the game, became a big NFL fan, got into college football, and then sort of three, three and a half years ago, uh, answered a, uh, a tweet looking for contributors to 99 Yards here in the UK. Started writing some college content there and and then started at Pro Football Network just as a, an unpaid contributor, just a, a, an avenue to, to get the work that I enjoyed doing, just covering college football and, and the NFL just out there. And as the companies blossomed into a, a fully functioning, fully fledged media company in the States, we've had the opportunity to, to, to become a full-time NFL draft analyst, which just uh, sometimes I still don't believe it. You know, and you, you go to fill out your occupation for, and uh, various forms and whatnot, and it's like, oh, it's right, post office counter clock on there, and it's like, oh, actually, that's not my job anymore. That's not, that's not what I do. So, um, yeah, it's it's been pretty cool, and I just I think like for anyone who who is watching, who enjoys 
football, enjoys writing about football. There's so many sites in the UK that you can um, get your feet wet, get your foot in the door, and uh, and if you're willing to, to work hard enough, there's always opportunities out there to, to grow, develop, and, and, and get to this sort of position, you know. Um, as to what we've got going on at PFN, just so much draft content. Like I say, the NFL Combine, we've been crushing all the measurements, analysis from every day, breaking out storylines as prospects have really shone. And then coming up in the next couple of weeks, we'll have the Pro Football Network NFL draft guide, first version of that with over 170 scouting reports, lots of cool interactive content that we're we're super excited about bringing to people. Um, If you go to any of the the articles on profootballnetwork.com, pop your name and email address in there, you'll hear about when the draft guide goes live and and you can can get a copy for yourself. And it's because it's an, an interactive version, we're going to have a couple of different versions before the draft where there'll be more scouting reports that land on there. There'll be Things like the RAS, the relative athletic score from Math Bomb, that will all be all that information on there, all his cards. Big boards from myself, Ian Cummins, and uh, Tony Pauly, and the three NFL draft analysts at Pro Football Network. So, so much, so much content. And, and obviously, draft interviews that we're doing with some prospects, which have been, uh, been a pretty cool process getting to know some of these, the guys behind the prospects. You, you talked about character and stuff in the introduction, and, and it's really it's a great experience and a great honor being able to, to tell the stories of. You know, guys like Trey McBride, who's um, uh, two two mums, probably the first NFL draft prospect who raised by two mums, um, had a really tough upbringing in Colorado because of that, you know, prejudice and stuff, and being able to, to hear their stories and tell those stories, as well as kind of explaining what they bring to the field. It's, it's a pretty cool process. Yeah, unbelievable. And actually, um, I remember watching this time last year, go back to PFN, you guys did a sort of a video series around around the draft, and uh, it was a little shot of you, a little shot of Ben, uh, Rolf in there, who Ben's been on, and um, it's amazing because it did the video up until sort of draft night, and then as the picks were, you know, the, the draft day itself, basically the meeting of don't tip the hand, we might know what's going to happen, but nobody tweet anything out until. You know, this point. And I, I, it was fascinating. I, I recommend anyone to go watch it on YouTube if I'll try and find a link and share it out because it was really cool watching that. Just to watch one, a couple of people I know uh, be part of that. But also, like, it was just cool to watch because Tony's a well-connected guy, isn't he? He knows, knows a lot of people. He knows, he, you know, gets a lot of information that he doesn't print and publish as well. You know, there's a lot of things he, he doesn't tip the hand on me because he can't or he won't or whatever. But... Uh, fascinating like behind the scenes to pfn so uh, i recommend people to go check that out because that that was awesome to see as well it, do you think this year will be bigger and, and better than last year and we're hoping so i mean it, it's like as you said that that video series that we were able to put together was was pretty cool and it's uh it's nice to be able to give people an insight into to what happens in our, our processes you know we that's uh, particularly myself and, and ian cummins who's a my fellow draft analysts at Pro Football Network, we'd like to try to be open and transparent and, and honest about our processes and, and things like that. So to be able to give people a, an insight into that um, is, is is pretty cool. So, yeah, hopefully um, lots more content like that to look forward to throughout the, the draft. Awesome. Yeah, and, you know, big fan of, of PFN. And you've had BJ on a couple of times. I've written for, at times for, for PFN, and I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, in the future as well. Um, just a great organization. So glad, glad you're part of it. Glad that we could have you on. But 
let's focus on the combine because this is obviously what we want to know for people listening. They're just starting to maybe pick up, you know, dynasty season, starting to get into the rookies. This is the kind of point where people are probably slightly more than dipping their toe into this and probably getting their first kind of read on this. So in terms of the, the combine as a whole and, and the, let's start at the top, the, the class as a whole, a lot of the headline is that in most positions, this class isn't as deep or as talented as, as years previously. There's one or two exceptions by position, but how would you sort of sum up this, this 2022 uh, draft class and just sort of some headlines of what we can kind of expect, say, in the early day one, early day two, What in terms of where we might see some quarterbacks or maybe not names but in terms of positions what we're likely to see runs on early in the in the, in the draft yeah i find it um i find it super interesting as, as a guy who has invested like 10 months our process started essentially as soon as the 2021 nfl draft finished and, and even a little bit before then because you're always conscious of, of guys that pop while you're watching film and thinking towards the draft class that they're going to be in will exact uh, will anderson of alabama or, example for for next year's process so it's a process that's like 10 months in the in the making um and there is this um this preconception that it's the 2022 nfl draft class is a bad class and it's a preconception that is brought about by the murky nature of the quarterback class because we're, we're coming off the back of the 2000 and um, 21 NFL draft that was historic. Everyone remembers Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance and Justin Fields and Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. That was historic. Like that's you know isn't something that you should become um, familiar with and something that you shouldn't expect. And certainly this NFL draft quarterback class this time around doesn't live up to that. It couldn't live up to it. Let's be honest. So it's been it's very murky. And that has kind of filtered down to the perception of the 2022 NFL draft class as a whole, which let me let me tell you is is false. And if anyone who watched the the NFL Combine this weekend will have heard the likes of Daniel Jeremiah and Rich Eisen talking about the the depth of talent in this class, and it is incredibly deep at a number of positions. And this it's top heavy as well in a number of positions. You mentioned the, what 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 might we see in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. Well, despite the quarterbacks being not quite of the caliber that we got last season, there's probably going to be still three or four quarterbacks taken in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft, just from a sheer supply and demand perspective. Now, everything might change with what happens with Aaron Rodgers. You talked about free agency at the top of the show. Aaron Rodgers' situation, Russell Wilson's situation, that's going to dramatically alter the NFL draft landscape if anything does happen there. But three or four quarterbacks wouldn't be a surprise, regardless of whether there are three or four quarterbacks with first-round grades. But in terms of what you're likely to see, um, aside from that, lots of edge rushers. So much pass rush talent in this class. So much cornerback talent in this class. Lots of offensive line talent in this class. And lots of teams that need offensive line help as well. Um, so, yeah, I think you're going to see a heavy mix of defensive players, Couple of court, couple of three or four quarterbacks. And you're going to see a lot of secondary, and then a lot of offensive line uh, to round out the, the first round. Um, but it's it's a super deep talent, uh, super deep class of talent, which you're going to pick up. I I believe 
NFL starters, even as far as the early parts of day three. Okay. So you mentioned there, quarterbacks expecting potentially three or four first rounders. There is one particular talking point that's come out of the combine that we need to answer, I think. Um, Kenny Pickett, hand size. How relevant is that? It depends who you ask. Uh, okay. Kenny, Pickett. <laughs> Kenny Pickett's hands are abnormally small. I'm not saying he's got <laughs> abnormal hands. I'm not saying he's got abnormal hands. Let's uh, let's put the brakes on any Kenny Pickett slander. Uh, but Kenny, they are abnormally small. Um, you know, and, and it's been well documented as to the success or lack thereof of small-handed quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, I know Murph actually brought up during the um, the early part of Combine Week the amount of fumbles that Kenny Pickett has had throughout his career. I certainly think you look at this season and he's improved in that reg- in that regard. And his whole um, this whole season has been a vast improvement um, across all of Kenny Pickett's game. Um, I know we released an article on Pro Football Network today. NFL leader and NFL analyst Mike Kay has spoke to a number of NFL teams, um, particularly in the AFC, who have no concern whatsoever about Kenny Pickett's hands. Um, so I think it's really a... Um, it, it could come down essentially to a, a threshold issue with specific NFL teams. And we've talked about it on our Pro Football Network Premier NFL Draft podcast about certain teams have specific requisite thresholds for various things where the um, where evaluating talent's concerned. That might be one thing that rules Kenny Pickett out for a number of teams. But from what we're hearing, it doesn't sound like that is going to be a big issue. I um, I spoke with Jeff Reinbold last week during his show and he said, look, if, if the NFL was as simple as getting a guy with massive hands, you'd be down in the um, glove department store picking out a man with the biggest hands and sticking him on the centre in the NFL. So it, it's certainly um, a part of the puzzle where Kenny Pickett's concerned, but it's not the be-all and end-all. It's not the defining um, element of, of Kenny Pickett as an NFL draft prospect. No, and I think that's fair. But, you know, what I what I would refer to is, as you say about the thresholds, you're absolutely right, and I completely agree. You know, we, we've had this with Kyler Murray is too small, but Kyler Murray was a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. At the end of the day, he had proven on tape and had proven in his college career that he was he was good enough, and he's lived up to that billing of being a first overall QB. Yes, okay, he's not won a ring; he's still very early in the process, but he has taken that franchise significantly far forward. No one will ever say that Kyler Murray was a bad pick at one overall. Um, the same way that you could have athletically gifted players who just don't pan out. James Winston's a great example of this, one of the best ever college ever quarterbacks, and that's not panned out. Is it, Nothing's ever set in stone. But, you know, I, th- I do think with Kenny Pickett, yeah, he took some step forward this year, but those numbers concern me. The, the Not just the numbers, but the nature of them. If you go back and look at some of those fumbles, I do think that it comes down to... You know, there's certain players who grip a significant portion of the ball. I know Scott Pioli at the, com- the Combine was talking about Tom Brady, who doesn't have particularly large hands. But he was saying that Tom Brady grips the ball a certain way that it covers most of the ball, but it's the amount of control that he gets. And I think with Kenny Pickett, the size mixed in with the level of control that he potentially has. And maybe that's something that he can learn. Maybe that's something he can get better at. Maybe it's something he's already been working at. But I, I think... In isolation, if he didn't have many turnovers and many fumbles, 
it would just be kind of a jokey thing that people go, oh, well, you know, he's got small hands. But I think with that body of work on tape and seeing that actually some of those fumbles are because of the fact that potentially the way he grips the ball um, makes it a little bit difficult. He's going to have to find a way to make that work. And that's why he wears two gloves. And hopefully next level that will pan out for him. But yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one. Where do you think Kenny Pickett goes in terms of before the combine, it was before the senior bowl in particular, it was the QB one in the process. Come well, I mean, debatable, but if you went, if you did a consensus of all mock drafts and you took an aggregated weighted score, he was the first QB going off the board. Um, where would you say that Kenny Pickett is, first of all, from you? in your personal perspective, and then where you think he is likely to rank in this class of, let's say, the five QBs that are going to be touching that sort of first, early, second round uh, kind of threshold. Yeah, I think he touched on it. And let's not forget, Kenny Pickett was a Heisman finalist this year. So we, we talk about Kyler Murray. Yes, he was a Heisman winner. Yes, he did great things for Oklahoma. But he also had his issues at Texas A&M before he went to Oklahoma. And Kenny Pickett, after all, was a Heisman finalist and a record breaker in a, um, in a college conference that boasted Deshaun Watson. Um, I'm not sure if we can use Sean's name on this podcast, so apologies if not. Um, <laughs> um, as far as Kenny Pickett's concerned, he's a solid quarterback prospect for me. I don't, I, I don't think he's elite in any aspect of his game, um, but by contrast, he's not um, hand size apart. He's, he doesn't have many massive flaws to his game. So I, I think for me, um, currently, and I'm still not thoroughly. Um, completed in my overall evaluations of all the quarterbacks, but he's my third quarterback three at the moment. Um, I think he's been commonly mocked to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it makes complete and utter sense for him to land in Pittsburgh, just not just from a scheme fit perspective, but also from a if you consider the teams that need quarterbacks and you consider the locations of those teams picking in the NFL draft. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Unless there's a lot of trade activity on on the day, which there could be, there could be before again, you know, some some teams desperately need a quarterback and we've known and we've seen before that that can be a real driver uh, trade activity. You only have to look at San Francisco 49ers last year trading up to, to get Trey Lance. Um, but before that, you look at Carolina Panthers probably, uh, Washington Commanders, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers as the three teams, or the, and the Denver Broncos as well. Um, 
as the the three or four teams that really are in a position where they need quarterback talent. So I think I think Pickett fits in that sort of Pittsburgh Steelers sort of draft range right now. Um, but again, anything can happen between now and then. I think if Kenny Pickett goes to the Steelers, that's single handedly the best situation that he can go to. Yeah, because sure. I think I think what you're saying is right in the sense of. He's not elite at anything. He's not bad at anything. He can walk in day one. He can be the starter. He'll win the job there. But I think what he will get is a proven system with a long-standing, very underrated NFL coach. With long-standing coaches who know what they're doing, they will get the absolute best out of out of Kenny Pickett. And he's not going to be that risk of being in a one-and-done situation with you know, new core. I mean, yeah, it's a new GM, but in terms of the coaching staff, it's it's pretty solidified there. Um, with a similar scheme, you know, Mike Tomlin can, I want to say, can stay there as long as he likes, but he's not going to be on the hot seat if he misses the playoffs next year because he's he, he hasn't had a losing record since he's been there. So at the end of the day, it's a great situation for Kenny Pickett to develop those traits and become the best he can be. I think that's the best landing spot I wouldn't say all these QBs, but for him in particular and Corral and uh, Howe, I think those three would benefit the most from landing in Pittsburgh because I think they would get the most time and the most continuity to be the best versions of themselves. And we've seen and we've seen how important that is with Mac Jones landing in the New England Patriots. You know, Mac Jones wasn't the best quarterback in the 2021 NFL draft class, but he's the one who had the most relative success last year, just because of landing spot. And and it and that's as key as anything where quarterback evaluation is concerned and the success at the next level is is where where does this prospect land? Because that can make or break even the best of quarterbacks prospects. Yeah, because you've got Carolina there, and that's a difficult situation to go and get drafted because you've got a brand new OC coming in. You've got a head coach in Matt Rule. It's very public that he is on the hot seat. You know, he might not last the year. He is, rightly or wrongly, he's on the hot seat. Uh, I don't think he deserves to be there given what he inherited, but that is the perception of the owner. David Tepp has put a lot of money in. He doesn't want to go there. That's a difficult situation to go to. Washington, okay, you've got a great coach in, in Ron Rivera, but you have system that just doesn't look like that's working and that's going to need a bit of an overhaul plus you've got all the background stuff which that's going to play a part the media is going to be on them a lot more um you know they are going to be rightly or wrongly judged in in open session open court probably more than any other team this year given the the allegations and the congress investigation so you know i think it's going to be tough for teams that go or quarterbacks that go there they're going to have to really do something special and absorb an extreme amount of pressure. Because we saw it with Josh Rosen, right? Josh Rosen went to an environment where it was a bad team. Nothing really looked like it worked. He went to a coach who was one and done. You know, he landed in the worst possible situation and now he can't he can't get a job in the NFL. I mean, he, I mean, he's what, third string at Atlanta and, you know, he's not, he's not going to play many snaps in the NFL again. And, you know, for someone who had all that talent, that's what she say. The landing spot is so, so crucial. So um, one person I want to talk about in this class is, is Desmond Ritter, because I, I'm very vocal about my passion for Desmond Ritter. I, um, I've got to be honest. If you'd asked me in December to rank the quarterbacks, I put him at quarterback one based on what I saw, based on where I think he can go. Do I think he is the number one 
today? No. In terms of what he will display on day one? No. But if I look at the ceiling and I look at where he can take a team and with his skill set, with time to develop in the right situation, I think he's got the greatest level of outcome. I do think um, Malik Willis has probably changed my mind a little bit on that. But I still don't think Desmond Ritter is very far behind. What are your thoughts on... Because he had a very good combine, Desmond Ritter. You know, he really showcased a lot of the skill set that I felt very confident he would he would showcase. What do you feel his his range of outcomes and and where where do you think he's likely to be taken in in, in the draft right now if it was being drafted today? He, um, yeah, you're right. He put exactly what you'd expect um, on tape. It's probably the wrong word to describe a combine, but 4.52 official 40 time. You see that on tape. He's a long striding mobile quarterback who can escape the pocket and elude, pre- elude um, pressure comfortably with his, his athletic ability. Impressive explosion drill numbers. So 36 inch vertical draw, jump and a 10 foot seven broad jump. And um, those two jumps obviously measure um, explosiveness. Um, what do I think of Desmond Ritter? He's got an in- incredible arm. He's got a great arm that's been displayed throughout his Cincinnati career. We've just mentioned what he brings to the table in terms of being a mobile quarterback, which um, we've seen is um, trending towards being in the NFL with guys like Russell Wilson that we mentioned earlier. Um, so he, he brings all that to the table. My concern with Desmond Ritter is he's probably the, the least accurate quarterback that I have um, evaluated in this process. And I don't feel like he's developed much in that regard during his four years in Cincinnati. Whereas you see with um, multiple other quarterback prospects where there has been a a very clear progression and the ability to um, develop and eradicate some of the issues that have blighted their games. Now, I don't feel like in his four years at Cincinnati that Desmond Ritter has been able to do that. Um, You also see um, on tape, he can often be quite slow to start a game. So he he takes a little bit of time to heat up in a game, um, which at the NFL level, you're not going to get that opportunity to work your way into a game. You've got to come out firing. Um, So there there are those concerns with Desmond Ritter. I think depending on what happens earlier in the first round and depends what happens in free agency, there is the potential for him to sneak into the back of the first round. I don't like it. I don't like it. Not None of these quarterback prospects I've got a first round grade on. Um, I feel like Desmond Ritter is um, is probably the, the sort of QB5, QB6 of this um, NFL draft class just because of the, the sheer accuracy issues um, that he's, he's displayed during his college career. But do you think those those accuracy issues are a lot down to who he was playing with? If you look no, at not, not, no, mm-hmm. not at all. Because you look at um, the wide receivers that Desmond Ritter has had to play with. Alec Pierce is an astounding wide receiver who will be a sort of day two NFL draft pick. Um, you look at tight end Josh Wiley, who returned to school this time around. He's he's a great tight end prospect. They've had guys around him. He's had incredible offensive line talent um, there. Um, I think the the issues with his with his game aren't are more due to him than the surrounding cast. Okay. Because I, I think about Justin Herbert a couple of years ago out of Oregon, who going into his senior year, 
if he'd come out his junior year, would have been one of the top two prospects in the class that he, um, well, he, he could have been, but it was kind of like, it was a few decent quarterbacks in that 2019 class. He's like, I'm going to opt for 2020. Didn't have the best of 2020 um, seasons and sort of came on strong towards the end. But it was very clear that the concerns that people were having with with Justin Herbert were from a coaching perspective around his footwork, where he drops, uh, the way that, you know, they establish play, you know, the, the quarterback's coach and head coach want to play a three-step drop. You know, most typically you see a five-step drop in a quarterback, which obviously was shortening his motion and therefore that accounted to it. Do you think with someone like Ritter, that could be a factor where a lot of what we have on tape is through the ski wish play? Don't forget they were undefeated until the playoffs. So, you know, what they did worked. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Um, but do you think that showing that explosiveness and showing what he did in some of the drills, he could alleviate some of those accuracy concerns based on what he did at the combine? Or do you think it's just not enough? Look, any, anyone can be developed by the right person. Um, and I think the thing with Justin Herbert, a lot of his stock was it was A, it was a scheme specific and B, it was personality specific as well, which were wrong. I, I, I wasn't someone who was on that bandwagon about Justin Herbert not being a leader. And you saw at the senior ball when he uh, when he was he was there, he was very much a vocal leader, interviewed very well with the media. It's obviously interviewed very well with teams as well. So, and that's the sort of the sort of character we already know that Desmond Ritter is. You know, he's he's been a clear leader for Cincinnati. He's always been very open in communication with the media while he's been there. Um, so that element is is not quite the same as Justin Herbert. Um, you, you, if you get anyone with a good quarterback coach who can improve some of the mechanic aspects of the game then there's a chance because he has got some of those baseline traits that you look for in terms of NFL talent. You know, he has got that arm. He can throw over a mountain. He he can manoeuvre. Um, so there, there's there's hope for Desmond Ritter. I just think you would like to have seen more development out of him in terms of curing some of those accuracy issues and some of the pocket presence and stuff that he's demonstrated. Okay. <clears throat> Fair enough. So, moving on from a, a lesser-known QB class, we look at move on to the running backs. So, there appears to be two almost leaders here in, in Isaiah Spiller and Brees Hall kind of stand out. Um, I think sitting on his own just a little bit below, we've got we've got Kenny Falker. Is he as good as those two? Can he get to that level? 
I think he can get to that level. Yeah, he's um, Brees Hall did himself the world of favors this weekend at the NFL Combine, and Isaiah Spiller did not by not participating. Now he'll go to, and, and this is a conversation we've had um, multiple times in the last couple of weeks, where Combine opt-outs have been um, discussed. If you're in essentially the biggest job interview of your life, which the NFL Combine is, and pro days are this process as a whole. You want to put yourself in the very best light. And someone like Isaiah Spiller, for example, will go to the Texas A&M Pro, uh, Pro Day on his home field or home training facility with the players that he's used to um, used to be, be around. He'll have very specific things put into his Pro Day um, script that will mirror what he's done at Texas A&M. So that gives him the opportunity to put his, his best foot forward. But what he does by not performing at the Combine is falls behind like Brees Hall. Brees Hall's gone out there and blown the uh, opposition away by really showcasing not just the testing, but the on-field stuff as well. And Kenneth Walker as well. He ran faster than Brees Hall. He is the explosive uh, explosiveness and the agility drills he was fantastic in. Um, a lot of what Kenneth Walker does well, he does exceptionally. And he's, he's just, it's been great to see this year at Michigan State. You know, you're talking about a kid who can cut without any discernible drop off of speed at all. Like, that's watching Kenneth Walker court is just, it's insane. I don't know how the guy moves laterally without losing any speed whatsoever going forward. It's just, it's just incredible. And that's what you want to see out of your running back, right? Um, I think the the issue for him is at sort of five nine two eleven. He hasn't demonstrated the physicality as a blocker that um, someone like Isaiah Spiller certainly has at Texas A and M. He hasn't showcased the, cat, uh, the the level of pass catching ability that like Isaiah Spiller and Brees Hall have done during their college careers. Um, so as, as an overall evaluation, he probably falls just slightly short of those two guys right now. But there are there are there are concerns with Isaiah Spiller. You know, he's not particularly fast. Um, which you know, when it comes to the NFL, is he going to be able to you know get big chunk plays, rip off big chunk plays? That's an, an unknown. I really like Isaiah Spiller. I think he's the best running back in the class with what he does. His footwork, his vision are incredible. He does bring the ability to be physical as a blocker. He can catch the ball effortlessly out of the backfield. But I think those those three running backs are really really tight, like way for thin between the three of them. Off the top of my head, on off the top of my head on my big board, I think there's like seven positions between those three guys. So that's how close they are. Yeah, one of the questions I I wrote for Fantasy Pros on the eve of the combine was, can Kenneth Walker stick with those two? Um, because you're talking about a player who divides opinion um i'm not as big on kenneth walker as as others but he his combined performance was as good as he could have hoped and i think he has alleviated some of the doubts on there and i think he would have earned himself more fans than detractors based on his combined performance so i i think yeah i think you're right the question was was it likely we were going to see these guys be day two, you know, early day two, second round picks. And I think there's a chance that all three of these guys could go in the second round. Um, I can't see anyone else going in the second round other than, than these three. Who would you say is sort of the best of the rest here? Because there, there is a, a big drop 
really, when you go down from the... It's very similar to last year's class where you had a couple of guys sort of elite at the top and then you had this sort of a bit of a drop down. So who who are some of the guys we're looking at, third, fourth round running backs who could potentially have an impact uh, in the NFL next season? Obviously, landing spot dependent. I really like Richard White out of Arizona State. I don't think there is a smoother runner of the ball in this 2022 NFL draft class. I also don't think there's many better pass catching backs than Richard White. He's he's had to, you know, that's that's kind of what Arizona State do. Um, he's had to he's had to be able to catch the ball. He's had, he's been just effortlessly smooth as a rusher. He's just you know knife through butter stuff. Showcase speed at the combine, 4.48 second, 40-yard dash. He's, uh, he's a great kid as well. Fantastic journey. If you have the opportunity to, to look into Rashad White's backstory, he's uh, he's been all over the country just trying to get to this mm. point. And he's just he's an easy kid to root for. He's an incredible, talented football player. And playing in the Pac-12, he's the sort of kid that doesn't get a lot of light shone on him you know we've, we've seen it before with Pac-12 prospects who they just don't get the same level of exposure because they play it you know 10 o'clock 11 o'clock at night um, so yeah Richard White for me is a guy I absolutely love Richard mm. I'm with you 100% I, I would I have him as sort of the best of the rest for me um, I, I think yeah as you say the, the going through multiple JUCOs trying to find a home just trying to play the desire and willingness to, to fight for it. You can't teach that. You can't teach it. And that's going to carry him through those difficult situations where you fumble, you get taken out of the game. Because running backs, you know, if you play for certain coaches, you could be punished by not playing. And he, he's someone that will deal with that in the right way, not the wrong way for sure. Anyone else that kind of sticks out for you as a potential sort of third round Ish players who could potentially have an impact in the right landing spot, fourth round, maybe. I mean, there's a few guys who are really knocking on the door of that early day three range. And two two of them that really impressed me at the combine were Tyler Goodson out of Iowa and Zonovan Knight out of NC State. I absolutely love both of these guys. But they've kind of they've kind of Zonovan in particular started this season really well but kind of faded as the season progressed. But he brings you exceptional value because he's a, a special team standout as well. See a couple of really nice kick returns this season for that kid. And Tyler Goodson is, you know, he creates so well. Um <laughs> In terms of, you know, he's been nicknamed Spin Shady because of the spin moves he pulls off. He cuts really well. He can stiff arm with the best of them. And then he, he, he ran really well at the combine as well. 4.42 40-second yard dash, which I didn't see coming out of the kid. Um, so I think he's kind of put himself back in that conversation um, as a sort of potential early day three guy. Um, Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame, who had an absolute shocker of a combine. Mm. But as we, as we kind of continually try and impress upon people is the combine is just a small piece of a very big picture and um, the issue for Kyron Williams is he he's been an explosive runner for Notre Dame in terms of being able to crank off 70 80 yard rushing players and um, but you didn't see any of that out of his drills at the combine um he's a he's a great pass catching running back he's a great runs uh, a great blocker as a running back as well which again it ticks all those NFL boxes the concern is that NFL teams will completely wipe him off their boards based on the testing numbers. If we go back to those requisite numbers that some NFL teams just 
have set in stone for guys. Mm. And um, hopefully, Kyron Williams can impress at the Notre Dame Pro Day and kind of kind of rehabilitate his draft stock. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also a big fan of Pierre Strong outside the South Dakota oh, State. Oh, now we're talking. Now we're talking. <laughs> He's someone I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, and written about to a degree. Um, I think if he was at a, a better school, he'd be he'd be right up there at the top of the class. I mean, um, who doesn't love a running back who can throw touchdowns? <laughs> Nothing else. He's got he's got everything in his game. He can do anything. He has. He has. And he, um, he weighed in a little bit heavier at the combine as well than expected because that was one of his big, mm. um, the big concerns about Pierre Strong was an FCS running back who was a little bit lightweight, would he be able to hold up to the rigours of the the NFL? And he weighed in a little bit heavier, set the fastest time of the combine, 4.37, 40-yard dash, mm-hmm. just had a really impressive performance, looked smooth out, smooth out there on the field. And he's, he's been hyper-productive, you know, over, seven, over 1,600 yards this year, 18 touchdowns. Um, not used much in terms of the passing game, but he has showcased good natural hands of the pass catcher. So, yeah, Pierre Strong's a guy who, if people don't know him, they should go and check out his tape because he is fun. And he bulldozes linebackers for fun. He is not afraid of contact. He will he just not. run over. If he gets into the secondary, those DBs are going to be an absolute horror show because he will just flatten anyone. I'm a huge fan. I really hope... He lands somewhere great, and we get to see him perform at the next level. Because, and I, and I really hope he goes early because it'd be great to see a guy, you know, come out of South Dakota State and and perform well. I really hope that happens. I, I had the opportunity to speak to his quarterback as well, Chris Oladokun, and he spoke even more highly than myself and you have just done. He spoke <laughs> about how his character off the field as well. So yeah, a real great kid. Yeah, big cool. Fan. Some wide receivers then. Um, we talked earlier about Kyron Williams and how it didn't quite go right for him, but another guy who had a, a bad combine appeared to be David Bell. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Didn't seem to fall his way, did it? It wasn't the greatest showing from David Bell. Uh, one of the slower three-yard dashes, 4.65. Mm-hmm. Didn't test particularly well in terms of the explosion drill. So 33 into the 9-10 broad jump, which um, just just not ideal. What I'd say on David Bell is that isn't his game. But he, no. he isn't a, a speed threat. He isn't a guy who... He's going to burst past defensive backs. He's, he's got a little bit of that mm-hmm. to his game. But what he does so well is the physical element. 
he'll go up there in contested catch situations. He'll sho- he'll shove a guy into the dirt quite happily on his way downfield. Um, he had a better three cone drill, which the three cone drill is a is a, a measure of agility, um, how agile you are, how you can yeah. change direction in the open field, and he had a better um, three cone drill than guys like Traylon Burks and Jahan Dotson, who are you know well renowned for their um, after the catchability. So I think that was that was important to bear in mind for David Bell because that is his game. You know, it's the yeah. physical the physicality, what he can do after the catch in terms of breaking tackles, change of direction. Um, but yeah, I think it will cause a little concern for NFL teams. It could impact his stock because he's a guy who, despite being productive, this wide receiver class is so deep of talent mm-hmm. that he's he's kind of fallen almost off the radar before the combine. And now he's on the radar for all the wrong reasons. Would you say that this, this impact has pushed him out of potentially second round um contention and potentially further because there are some guys who were behind him who I, I think are like Christian Watson and a very different type of receiver right but um, Christian Watson was somebody pre senior bowl no one was really talking about has a phenomenal senior bowl has a great combine and now people are looking at Christian Watson thinking yeah that's a guy I want on my team because he's, he just makes plays I saw Christian Watson described as a lock top fifty pick wow. earlier on, which 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 wow. I completely agree with. In my last mock for Pro Football Network, my last four round mock, I had Christian Watson going forty fourth overall to the Cleveland Browns. I'm not convinced he even makes it that deep. Um, wow. but, but we shouldn't we shouldn't call any player a lock because no, but you know we're full he... of uncertainties and and stuff. Especially you know with two months out, but he's he's an incredible talent that is just people are only just waking up to, like you mentioned. He, he's been doing that for years. He, this is what Christian Watson is. And the the 40-yard dash time just kind of, it, again, it's one of those you go back, it's a clarification and confirmation because that's what you see on tape with this kid. He's, he's a truly astounding talent. But in terms of in terms of David Bell, it's difficult. It, it depends how many wide receivers fly off the ball because plenty of teams need them. There are plenty of great receivers. There were plenty of receivers who put in great performances of the combine. And like I said before, he was kind of a guy who was sliding almost off the radar before. So there is, there is always that potential that he could stumble and fall out of the second round. So similar to the the quarterbacks, there seems to be sort of five running backs that kind of separate themselves a little bit. I don't think as far as the quarterbacks, I think that you could go... 10, 12 deep in this wide receiver class. And I think you've got a, a really productive NFL starter and all the way down at wide receiver 12, wide receiver 13 in this class, maybe even further than that with some of the guys who are really producing. But the five at the top, uh, the two from Ohio, Burks, Drake London, um, Williams. I mean, in terms of those guys, how do you view them how do you feel their combine went? And um, obviously, someone like London didn't participate in the combine because he was hurt. So, you know, it's that hurt him a little bit. Or how how do you think it kind of shakes out now post combine as to where those sort of five are? Are they all still likely to go in the first round? And what do they need to do to really help their chances? I think Garrett Wilson kind of separated himself this week as the best wide receiver in this 2022 NFL draft class. He 
Um, he, we, we have a conversation, me, me and Ian Cummins at Pro Football Network. We, we meet every month to bash out our top 50. And Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson have been pretty much since we first sat down in August, they've been the two guys that we couldn't really put a cigarette paper between to start with. And we talk about it every week. I've, I was always a big Olave fan. I've always been a big fan of Chris Olave's game. Um, but I think Garrett Wilson, through the course of this season, has kind of separated himself a little bit from Chris Olave. He's just better at the catch point. He's more physical than Chris Olave. But at the same time, he's a three-level threat with his route running ability. And then you come to the combine, and Chris Olave is a track star who... That's his hallmark of his game is that he's faster than Garrett Wilson if, if your argument's between those two. And he Garrett Wilson runs faster in the 40. Yeah. So for, for me, I think Garrett Wilson helps solidify himself. Drake London, you mentioned, is he didn't participate because he's still returning from the horrific injury that he suffered during the season. Drake London is my favourite wide receiver mm-hmm. prospect um, in terms of just being a sheer freak of size and athletic ability, just kind of unparalleled in, in that term in, of how big yet deceptively athletic he is. You know, former basketball player who you can see that influence on, yeah. the, on the football field. I think he still led the Pac-12 in yards per catch, having it's not really played for half of the season. Led the, I still... Led the, I compare him to Mike Evans a little bit in terms of just that sheer size, catch radius. It's the fact that he you can chuck it up there, go out and get it. He will be a huge red zone threat to somebody uh, next season. He's going to be some quarterback's best friend when he gets drafted yeah. because he'll, he'll get yeah. anything. You're not outmasking him. Yeah, the Mike Evans comparison is one that is, is, has kind of been earmarked for Drake London for for mm. for a couple of seasons, you know, a lot of people see see him as that kind of player, and it's easy to see why. Um, then, yeah, Jameson Williams again couldn't participate because of the ACL injury. Phenomenal prospect who it remains to be seen if he returns to full throttle, because when your your game is predicated on the speed and your ability to to cut at that speed, like Jameson Williams is. When you've had a serious ACL injury, there will always be those sort of niggling doubts as to, to how you return from that. And Traylon Burks, he's been slammed a lot for his combine performance, but I kind of, for me, it was kind of almost what you expect. Same, similar to David Bell, his game he isn't a four-three guy. At the end of the day, he's, he's six foot three, two hundred twenty-five pounds. He's he's not going to run a four-point-three forty-yard dash like some of these some of these guys. So. He, I think he'll he'll cause some people to go back and kind of reevaluate because I know, particularly for fantasy purposes, he's been a, a, a huge fantasy wide receiver one darling throughout this process. I think that might cause people to go back and reevaluate. Um, but he does so much; he brings so much to the table in terms of his game as a as a physical um, presence, as a, as a in contested catch situations. He brings that after the threat cat, uh, ability. He can run the ball out of the backfield. So he's an exciting prospect who I, I, should, I don't think we should really hang our hats on his combine performance in terms of his NFL draft evaluation. No, I think that's fair. Yeah. And then you've got some guys underneath that Dotson, Pickens, Sky Moore, Calvin Austin, who a lot of people, myself included, thought he could threaten the combine record. 
We've talked about Christian Watson, David Bell. I mean, what are your thoughts on on these guys? Uh, 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 you know, Mechie the third as well. There's so many guys here who, again, all productive, could all be, you know, could all earmark and make themselves out to be great wide receivers in the NFL. What do, what do you think about their chances of success? And is there anyone that you keep an eye on, think could rise up boards or anyone you think could fall down boards? Yeah, the um, it, just that point illustrates how great and deep this NFL draft wide receiver group is. You know, we talked at the top of the show, like, this is a good draft. It's an exceptional draft, despite what people think. And the wide receiver class is, is a real great example of that. And you mentioned Sky Moore there. He's a real ascender, uh, a guy who is just explosive in all directions. Is a great quote that I heard to describe Sky Moore, and I think it's perfectly apt because that's what that's what he does. And he's got excellent ball skills. He's tough for his size. You know, he's only five ten, weighs under two hundred pounds, but he is tough. Um, had an impressive combine. Four point four one was faster than I think some people thought he would run. Um, so he, um, yeah, I think Sky Moore is a guy that is underappreciated in this uh, draft process who probably goes day two comfortably um, potentially in the second round I know there's, I, I know there's people who think he'll be a first round I just I just think this class is too deep um, for him to, to break the first round but I would not be surprised to see him in the second round um, and then you've got an absolute I can't even think of the right word to describe day three guys you know there's going to be a load of late um late round wide receivers who are going to come in and potentially make an impact in the NFL. I really like Josh Johnson out of Tulsa. Um, he's a quick guy um, with special teams experience, which, you know, when you're looking at day three guys, that's what you want. You want guys with special teams experience who can come in and, and contribute there as they work their way to the NFL and acclimatise to the to the speed. Um, Javon Hiley out of Coastal Carolina. He's a really... Um, really um, well-rounded prospect that not a lot of people talk about. He's been productive because of, he's competing with Isaiah Likely, the tight end. He doesn't get a lot of light shine shone on him, but he's got great hands, impressive length, catch skills, ability to track the ball are impressive. He's quick. Um, and then finally, just from a wide receiver perspective, we saw Isaiah Weston out of UNI really tear up the combine, another FCS wide receiver. He's got excellent catch radius. He's an incredible athlete. Um, good. Um, he's really flexible, great speed, and just developed um, as a real um, late-round riser, I think, in this class. You've missed off my favourite late-round riser there. Who? Mike Woods. Yeah, Mike Woods, Mike, Woods, Mike, Woods, Mike Woods can do a little bit. He's a guy that's been hurt by the Oklahoma situation this season, for sure. Yeah, uh, he was phenomenal at the Combine. If you haven't had a chance, go and look at some of the catches he put together in the drills because some of them were outrageous. Like there was one with the, the long extension. There's one on the sideline where he had to twist and jump and bounce. I, I, I've I've been a big fan of Mike Woods. I, I luckily talked about him before the Combine as watch out because no one was mocking him anywhere. No one was mocking him in seven round, in seven round drafts. He wasn't... I think he, his average mock position was like 330, 340. Yet, this guy was invited to the combine. He was invited for a reason. He is a good prospect. And I think he did himself a world of good. I really hope Mike Woods goes higher in drafts than um, than the UDFA. I really hope someone takes a chance on him because I think there's a great kid in there somewhere. 
Yeah. How about tight ends then moving on again? We've got many coming out. Obviously, last year we had a, a standout generational talent joining the NFL. Um, how are we looking this year? You mentioned a couple. Yeah, there's not there's not a, a Kyle Pitts like generational talent at a tight end position, but again, I kind of people get bored of hearing the same thing. But it's a deep class of tight ends, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think anyone separated themselves at the combine. You've got guys like Isaiah Likely and Trey McBride at the top uh, out of Coastal Carolina and Colorado State. Greg Dulcich out of UCLA, a guy Daniel Jeremiah spoke very highly of during the the coverage of the combine. If you've seen that. Um, so there's there's three guys right at the top. Jalen Widemeyer out of Texas A&M. Um, there's, there's a whole host of guys. Cole Turner out of Nevada. What I think at the Combine, rather than separate at the top, I think some guys really push themselves into the, the back end of, of that conversation. Um, guys like Jelani Woods out of Virginia, who is six foot seven, over 250 pounds, has got ridiculously long arms and then ran an absolutely blazing 40-yard dash time. And he's had a great process. The combine was just kind of the icing on the cake because of the, the East-West Shrine Bowl. He really showcased what he can do there. Um, incredible week of practice where he consistently showed that he was able to separate with the ease that you would not expect from a guy who is a, a big old dude. And and then it got a touchdown in the game at the East-West Shrine, came into the combine, blew the doors off the 40-yard dash. Some of the explosion drills he was really good at as well. Looked great on field as well. Looked really fluid. Showcased his ability as a pass catcher. I think Jelani Woods um, is a guy who really could uh, could force his way into the conversation in the day in day three for a guy who wasn't really being talked about much before the process. That's why it's there, I guess. That's why it's there. So we mentioned at the top of the show as well. Moving on, um, offensive linemen. There's a lot of skillful guys coming out. He isn't. Probably the most sexy thing to look at, especially on a fantasy point of view, the, the open lineman getting drafted. But uh, tell us who we got, who's coming out, who's there to look out for. There's again so much, so much time. You're going to see potentially six offensive tackles, I think, um, in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. Alabama's Evan Neal, um, potential first round, uh, first overall pick. Big, strong, athletic, didn't perform at the Combine. He's going to test at the Alabama Pro Day. And that really opened the door for NC State's Ikema Kwanu to showcase his um, resume, his um, job interview for the first overall pick. Because the minute that guy walked up to the podium on Thursday, um, or Wednesday, sorry, when the offensive line guys went, went to the podium, he looks like a first overall pick. The dude is absolutely massive. Real muscular build to him. He's incredible. And then he went out, ran a decent 40-yard time for his size, looked really fluid on the, the field, like a dancing bear. Um, and he brings that savagery that you'd expect. From him. This is what it looks like, right? You, you, the, the, the wave drill where they have him lay on the floor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm with you. Like a, you've got it. You've got now it. you've said it, it's in my head now. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. I, I'm just playing. Dancing bear. Dancing bear. But he plays with the savagery of a bear, man. He's uh, you watch it. You watch some of Ike McQuarrie's highlights, either mm-hmm. at guard or at tackle, and he will absolutely run a man into the ground. I think Bubba Bolden, the He's safety superb. out of Miami, is he, he is superb. And my, yeah. uh, Bubba Bolden, the safety out of Miami, he's still got Ike McQuarrie's hand imprinted on his face and the dirt <laughs> and the turf on his back from him absolutely running him over. So yeah. you've got Charles Cross out of Mississippi oh, State. Slender, good. athletic, nasty. 
he's a great dude. Trevor Penning, Tyler Smith really impressed me. I know he's a guy that a lot of people have been talking up as a first-round prospect. He looked the part um, out on the field uh, when the offensive line took to the field there. And, and my guy out of Boston College is Zion Johnson. Um, mm. Guard with left tackle experience and senior bowl experience, exposure at, at the centre position. He'd play anywhere you want him on the offensive line. Really intelligent, athletic, um, strong, led all offensive linemen with the, on the bench press with 32 reps at the combine. This 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 offensive line class is, is incredible. I'm not going to lie. He was someone who I was hoping wasn't going to do as well at the combine because I was kind of <laughs> hoping he would fall down to the Buccaneers late second round. That, that's not going to be the case now, I don't think. Um, because I not thought he'd chance. be a great replacement for Ali Marpet. I thought yeah, he would slot him with that line really well. That flexibility um, really felt that he would, he, he would, for me, would be the choice to replace Ali Marpet, but I don't think that's going to happen now unless you take him um, take him at 27, which, oh, that could be tempting, but I'm not sure if that's the way that the front office will go. I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't even make it that far. Wow. Yeah, he had a good combine, and he definitely made him a name for himself, which is what you want. I, I think this class is great. I mean, I, the 2020 class is heralded for the talent at the top end um, of that class. Um, you know, I'm a big Tristan Wirfs fan. I was a big fan of his when he got drafted. I was even happier he came to Tampa. I don't know how he fell to, to 13 um, in that class. Mackay Beckton... Um, yeah, you know, there's, there's 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 so many but, similarities when but, you, you actually look exactly. at those classes, like the first round center in Michigan, Caesar Ruiz, actually mm. Tyler Linderbaum in 2022, loads of day two, day three guards, plenty of them in this class, mm. and then like you say, Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, Mekai Beckton, six offensive tackles in that first round, and and it would not surprise me to see it again. No, uh, it, it's just the fact that you you probably have a consensus one in Evan Neal. I don't think anyone is going to say that he's not the best in this class. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Are you going to surprise me here and say he's not the best in this class? I, I think Evan Neal's the best. I, I love Evan yeah. Neal. I think he is the best offensive tackle. There are people that I, whose opinions I respect very highly who have Ike McQuano as the top offensive tackle wow. in this class. See, I, I think with the Jaguars, I, I just don't think you can take Evan Neal at one. Um, but I can I can understand why he's the best player in the class. But I think if with what the Jags need and what they need to do, but we'll see what happens. Um, let's move to the other side of the ball because again, there's there's potentially two of the top three picks: uh, edge rusher and, and defensive line. Um, again, this is a, a really deep edge rusher and defensive line class as as well. You know, if you're looking to build through the trenches and you were waiting for this class, and and I'm thinking of like the Eagles here, for example, with all those picks. This is a good year to do it. Yeah, this is a great year to need um, defensive line talent, whether it's edge rushers, whether it's defensive tackles, whatever you need, you're going to be able to get it in this class. Um, it's quite funny because you, you heard before this season people say, oh, "Well, it's not got you know, it's not got the ch- Chase Young, it's not got you know those sort of, it's not top." He- well, this class has emerged as being exceptionally top heavy from an edge rush perspective and you're right we could see two of the first three selections being edge rushers because you've got 
Aidan Hutchinson, you've got Kayvon Thibodeau, you've got Trayvon Walker emerging out of Georgia, Jermaine Johnson out of FSU, David Ajabo out of Michigan, George Kalafis, who doesn't get the appreciation in the class because he's not showy like those guys. He's not, you know, he's not going to do you with a spin, spin move like David Ajabo, but better, trust me, George Kalafis is an incredible defensive end prospect in this class. There's, there's tons of them. You keep on going. Um, even beyond those to sort of, you know, day two, day three, um, you're going to be able to get great pass rushes off the edge. Trayvon Walker, you could plug him in and defensive tackle in the NFL as well. And then, you know, we've seen Jordan Davis absolutely blow up the combine. We've seen Devontae Wyatt, Travis Jones out of UConn. So many, Matthew Butler out of Tennessee is a guy no one speaks about, but he's an incredibly explosive defensive tackle. There's just so much defensive line talent in this class. It's, it's insane. There's starters that are going to go in the third and fourth round here. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a guy I, I really like out of Coastal Carolina, Jeffrey Gunter, who versatile defensive lineman. No one talks about him. Apparently, the NFL is higher on him than than what the outside media is, and they should be because he's an incredible athlete, yeah. incredible length, versatility to play across the defensive front. He's a guy that will start in the NFL. You're probably going to get on the early part of day three. It's yeah, that's how stacked this class is. Yeah, it's huge. I, I really, like I said, think it's a great class to to go and build build your trenches. If I had to tell anybody where I thought this class was probably weakest, most people would say quarterbacks, which I don't necessarily believe. I think it's linebacker. Compared to what we've had over the last half dozen years, I think there's two very good linebackers. But I think, and after that, you've got a lot of potentially good, but I don't think you're going to see as many linebackers come off the board early uh, in this NFL draft as we have done in previous years. Am I unfair to think that, or let me let me let you into a little secret? I hated this linebacker class when I was summer scouting back back in sort of May and June. Absolutely hated it, and. Um, and I, I, do, I, same as you, I thought there was no talent in this class. I actually think there is. I think mean, there's a lot more talent than than people give it credit for, and a lot more talent than I gave it credit for just like ten months ago. Nakobe Dean and Devon Lloyd mm-hmm. are standout guys. Like Nakobe Dean is a different beast. He's going to get knocked a little bit because of his size, um, but I think he's showed this season that he's developed on some of the issues that his size pr- um, mm-hmm. gave him in 2020. I saw a guy over the summer who. He really struggled to overcome more powerful and bigger offensive linemen, especially on the interior, where he seemed to have really figured that out this year. Seemed to play with um, a little more physicality, seemed to use his brain a little bit better to defeat interior offensive linemen rather than trying to rely solely on physicality. So I think the Kobe Dean, Devin Lloyd out of Utah, they're your standout guys. And then behind them, you look at Wyoming's Chad Moomer, who is like a Logan Wilson part two, um, you know, came out of a similar school, similar athletic profile, but I think Chad Moomer is better. I think he's considerably, not considerably better, that's probably not, not fair, but I think he's considerably better than people give him credit for. Such an intelligent player, very athletic for his build. Um, he tested well, looked great on the field, was was impactful at the senior ball, kind of almost teach tape how he, how he played practice at the senior ball. Um, and then there's you know Christian Harris, hyper athletic guy who 
hilariously, I was I was talking to a, an Alabama beat writer last week. Kid used to be a defensive back, but his worst element of his game is actually in coverage. Now he's a linebacker. But really athletic, coming downhill, hit you in the mouth. Watch Georgia, the, the national championship game against Georgia. He was his was his best game. I think he had for Alabama. You know, saved his best till last. Brian Asamoah out of Oklahoma, similar, really athletic, heavy hitting, side sideline sideline player. Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin, same deal, hyper athletic. Come downhill and hit you in the mouth. Really intelligent guy. He's a guy who some people are talking about as a first round prospect. I don't, I don't really see it myself. I think he's a day two guy. But again, there's 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 more guys out there at linebacker than I certainly thought originally, and and a lot of people um, expect. Yeah, I think it's just a case of, I think there's two standout linebackers, as you say. I think everyone else are looking at day two, uh, day three guys. I just don't see many going in the second round, as potentially we have done in previous uh, years. Um, I think you're looking at, I, I can't see more than five going in the top two rounds, personally. But I'm not, obviously I'm not the expert here, but... Um, Whereas you're looking at previous years, and I think there was a lot more depth, but that's what happens, isn't it? Sometimes you just get these classes that are a little bit thinner than, than others. But a class that perhaps isn't thin is is the D back class. This looks uh, this looks deeper than it has been for a very long time. Yeah, a really impressive class. And I should clarify when we were talking about offensive line before, Evan Neal, I think, will go first overall. He's not my first overall prospect. My first overall prospect is Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame. And uh, now we've got to the defensive back class. He didn't test. <laughs> he didn't spicy. test. He, he's incredible, right? He's incredible. He didn't test well yesterday in terms of the 40 yard dash. Um, which you shouldn't hang your hat on that anyway. How many times do you run in a straight line for 40 yards on a football field? His 40-yard dash was, when you go back and watch it as well, um, a little all over the place. He nearly ran out of the track running the 40. And if you're running 47 <laughs> yards to complete 40 yards, you are going to be slower than most other people. Um, and a kid who's coming off the, like a season-ending injury as well. So this is his first time fully going at it. He looked great on the field. Rest of his measurements, explosive um, testing was excellent. Flip on the Notre Dame tape from any point of Carl Hamilton's career, he, he's insane. He, you don't see a kid that is six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds, fly around the football field from the safety position, sideline to sideline, north and south, hit you in the mouth. Physicality, just an just an incredible prospect. And um, so he, he's my number one overall prospect, defensive back, and then you know the cornerbacks, Derek Stingley Jr. Andrew Booth Jr., Ahmad Gardner, the two Washington kids, Trent McDuffie and uh, Kyler Gordon, um, Darion Kendrick out of uh, Georgia, former Clemson cornerback. Just You could just keep on going and going and going with these cornerbacks and safeties as well. We saw George's Lewis scene yesterday, absolutely put on a show, really fast 40, blew over competition away with some of the explosion drills, looked fantastic on the field. And, and that's that, what that kid has been. For Georgia, he's been incredible. Um, he kind of gets um, chastised, castigated, whatever you want to call it, for the hit on Kyle Pitts where people wanted him banned. Florida Florida players wanted him banned from college football for life. Mm. That's the kind of, you know, he hits with incredible jaw-dropping, just horrible, like, physicality, for want of a better word. Um, mm. But it's, it's beautiful to watch. 
and he, he's going to make a, a, an incredible safety in the NFL. In terms of breaking this down from a DB class, because again, it is stacked. Um, you've talked about who you would have at, at the top there. There's potentially what five, six, seven DBs that could go in this sort of first, very early second round. Many yeah, I think round? yeah, yeah. First, early second, I think there's probably some five, six, seven. Um, first round, you're probably looking at five guys. I think. Um, for the first round of the cornerback position, um, and then some early two day uh, day two guys thrown in there as well, and, and again a raft of guys that come in out on the outside, on the outside rails from the you know the, the combine, the senior ball, the all star game process. Look at a guy like Zion McCollum out of Sam Houston State who absolutely blew the roof off Luke Saul Stadium yesterday at the combine, and he's flown under the radar because he's an FCS kid at Sam Houston State. But 54 career breakups, 70, uh, 13 interceptions, plays real fast, plays real physical, intelligent kid. And, you know, he's going to start enforcing himself on the, on this class as well. There's one player yes. who is potentially being mocked quite consistently to the Buccaneers, who I really don't want the Buccaneers to pick, and that is, uh, that is Elam out of Florida. Um, nice kid, got all the size attributes that you would want from a cornerback, but... He, he just makes too many mistakes. Um, I saw this, you know, I'm a big Gator fan. I saw it too often. And he, you know, I, I think back to, and probably not the right way to think about things, Vernon Hargreaves coming out of Florida and being drafted by the organization. There's far too many similarities for me between those two players. It didn't work. I don't want us to go back into the well and go, uh, and go for Elam if, if indeed we go corner in the first round. I just don't think it's a good fit from a scheme perspective. But what are your thoughts on him? Do you think he's someone who's worthy of that first round grade? Or do you think he, he's someone that should be sort of nearer the sort of pick 50 kind of range? You mentioned the size and he has got NFL size. He's I really like Kyrie Elam. Um, I thought he might go back to Florida. Um, I thought he needed this year to mm. develop, and he he battled yeah. injury this he battled through injuries this season. Um, so I I thought he might go back and take another year to develop. Um, I, he has got the potential to be um, a first round cornerback. Um, I just think potentially in this class he's, he might not quite make that grade. No, uh, I exactly the same thinking. Cool, it's good to know. Dan, have you got yeah. any questions from? Our draft expert here. Yeah. Players you'd be keeping an eye on that you want to... No, it's too early for me. Uh, <laughs> outside the generics of what everybody's on about mentioning and seeing, uh, yeah, I haven't started to dig. So, yeah, I guess my question would be, you mentioned obviously a lot of names throughout the show or whatever, but who's the one guy that's not getting that media hype and buzz? Who is that one name at any position that... Man, actually, let's change that. Who's the one guy at a skill position for fantasy purposes? that we should actually be looking at going under the radar so far? Fantasy purposes. Hmm. Ah, to be honest, Malik Willis is the good, the guy you want to be considering for fantasy purposes, I guess, just because okay. of um, he's probably going to end up at a team where they're going to start him. He's going yeah. to rely on his, he's going to have to rely on his legs. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously sure. any, any, any quarterback that's a dual threat is going to be, um, a worthwhile investment for from a fantasy perspective. 
we, we've mentioned Christian Watson on this podcast yeah. a couple of times. And he's, a, again, from a fancy perspective, he's a guy who can carry the ball out of the backfield. Um, same as Traylon. But, you know, people are hyping up Traylon Burks. Um, and he, for the reasons of, you know, he can rush, he can receive, he's going to add yards after the catch. He's probably going to land on land with a, an offense that use him creatively, um, kind of like Debo Samuel. Um, so those sort of guys. Murph mentioned Calvin Austin, obviously yeah. similar guy who can do um, a lot of the lot of similar things out of the backfield as well as as a as a pass catcher as well. Yeah, I wrote all them down, so we'll be sorted. <laughs> I think I think there's some yeah I think there's some good players. I think it's this is um. I wrote about this today. I did a rookie um, mock draft for for fantasy pros and said, you know, for fantasy purposes, around about pick 20 is when you start to see this, say, drop off. I don't think there's this this strong consensus uh, 101 like we've had in in recent years Hmm. in fantasy football. I think there's a lot of guys at the top. The one thing that stuck out to me when I did the mock was lot of wide receivers early middle and late um it shows you just how deep this is there's so many wide receivers i got calvin austin in the fourth round so that would have been pick 41 so which i think is better than the 41st best offensive player in this class um likely was going after that i think um where did likely go? Um, and I uh, likely went at the 411. So he went as the 47th uh, player off the board, which again, I think he's better than that. I didn't take him because I'd already taken Trey McBride and didn't need two tight ends. But I think that's late. And I think, you know, draft capital will change all of this. It was, it was a fun exercise to do. But having gone through and done a mock, it was interesting to see so to break this down, the first two rounds, only one quarterback was taken. That was Malik Willis. He was taken at 209. And then the others all came off the board. Um, well, let's say the others. Sam Howell fell into the fourth round. Uh, but the rest were taken in the third round. Um, but some interesting picks here. Um, and obviously this doesn't reflect the combine. With Christian Watson went at a 312. I can't imagine that's going to stay. Um but it, it makes you think that, you know, there's there's some good players here. Uh, Sky Moore was the third-round pick. Uh, Tyler, I always butcher his name, really sorry. Al, Al oh, yeah. from yeah, from <laughs> uh, Ringham Young University. I love him. Um, yeah, he, he went mid-third. Uh, Damian Pierce went fourth round. Again, I think he, he could do a job for players. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I think... When you do the mock, you actually realise there is a bit more talent on the skill positions than perhaps you would think. But and especially at tight end, um, I can't remember ever seeing four or five tight ends come off in, in a five round mock. So it tells you how good that class is. A but lot, yeah, a lot, lot of wide receivers, lots of lot of good pass catching tight ends in this class. Yeah, so um, it's good. I hope people have enjoyed this uh, breakdown. It's been phenomenal. Mm. Um, we've got over, but. Do you know what? You dropped a lot of knowledge. Um, if people have more questions, where can they find you, uh, Ollie, and, and interact with you and read your work as well? 
Okay, so you can find me on Twitter at OJ Hodgkinson. And if you go to profootballnetwork.com, you'll find all the draft analyst uh, analyst stuff that we're, we're doing through this process. And as I said uh, at the top of the show, you can find a, uh, an opportunity to put your name and email address in and get a link ready for when the NFL draft guide drops, which I believe is next Sunday, the 13th of March. Nice. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, for yeah, educating uh, Dan yeah. and I. And <laughs> and, um, Dan's probably got off a notepad full of names now. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think it's good, not just from a fantasy perspective, but wanting to, to give some love to some non-fantasy players to keep an eye on because yeah. everyone now is watching uh, and going to start watching draft content and, and get into it. So let's give them some names that they can go and, and take away. And I think those who have taken some names are going to watch some tape and, and make some good notes. So I think uh, I think everyone got a little bit smarter, which uh, we appreciate very much, uh, Ollie, and uh, wish you the best of luck and, and hope we can yeah. get you uh, back on maybe after the draft and, and analyse it all. Cheers. Thanks for having me on, guys. Cheers. Take you later. And for everyone else, Rush Nation, don't forget to check out the rest of our content. You can find it all over the website. <laughs> Um, and we look forward to having you uh, on the journey. Got a great set of guests uh, coming up in recent weeks. Um, I'm very excited for some of the guests that we've got coming on. Um, I'm very excited for next week's guest. I haven't shared it with you, Dan. But you it's someone no. That, no, but it's someone that we – I got it all sorted today. Uh, cool. It's someone who's going to take us on a bit of a journey to go from a fantasy football newbie to someone who uh, won leagues and is going to share some stories as to what information was useful, how to fade the noise, etc. And then from there, we've got some amazing people coming on uh, in the the coming weeks. I'm really pleased and humbled to have the kind of roster that we have. So, um, What's going on uh, UK FFC-wise? Anything news? We announced last week that we have Matt Cullens, our first panelist, announced. Uh, he's joining us. Uh, those of you who don't know who Matt is, Matt is the commissioner for the JTT Cup, the Jonathan Tarrant Trust. Uh, he was kind enough to give us the very last entry spot into the competition. So there's a, a thing out on our Twitter right now. Into, must fell off his chair almost. <laughs> right. no, the mic, the mic, I stood on the lead and the mic fell off. Uh, like and retweet and, and do what it says on there and um, see if you can nick that last spot. I believe we've got another panellist being announced tomorrow. So keep your eyes peeled to at underscore UKFFC. Uh, and if you haven't already, go get your tickets. There are not too many left now. Um, it's sending out far better than we actually anticipated. It's, it's great to see. Amazing. So check that out. Check out the profiles going up on the website. Check out those uh, you guys there here tomorrow. And we will be back next week with a stellar guest. But until then, Rush Nation, as always, don't forget, keep rushing.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.